Galatians 4, 4, when the, this, this is, uh, this is extra. This, this is kind of a bonus, uh, thing for you. I, this wasn't really going to be part of my sermon, but I think it, uh, really pertains in the, uh, in the full, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of woman, born under law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons in the fullness of time. And, uh, you know, historically, a lot of things, a lot of things came over, or uh, came to pass, came together. Uh, one of the things was uh, the, the Roman Empire built this great system of, of roads so that uh, travel would, would be very easy. Also, there was a, uh, a language, it was a, a trade language, which really pervaded the whole... Um, Empire. It was it was a, a variant of Greek called Koine Greek, and it was a uh, it was a trade language. So whether you spoke Greek or not, chances are you knew how to speak Koine Greek as you were performing business and, and traveling to different parts of of the empire. So Jesus came during this time, and the gospel spread rapidly throughout the empire. In the fullness of time, God sent Jesus. It was perfect timing one of the other uh, things that and this 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 is going to lead into the sermon one of the other things that came about was the uh, the innovation of the uh, synagogue the synagogue now when uh, when the babylonians exiled the uh, the jews from from israel and they they scattered them all over the place there there were jews throughout the empire they destroyed the temple, and so there there wasn't a, a temple for them to go to. And this innovation of the synagogue came about. This was a place where where the Jews would go. It was called a place of, of prayer. It was, the synagogue was a, a, a place of teaching and education. It was it was the the community center. And guess what we had in in the synagogue? We had not priests, but elders. And so when Jesus came, when the church was founded, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Jews were very familiar with this institution of, of the synagogue. And the, uh, the, the church assembly was actually patterned after the synagogue. In fact, in, uh, in the book of James, when James talks about, maybe you remember this verse, he talks about if, if somebody comes in, a rich guy comes into your assembly, you know, you, you give them the special place, but if it's, if it's a poor person, you tell them to sit on the floor in the back. Well, the word that he uses is synagogue. It's a Greek word, synagogue, the exact same word. He says, if anybody comes into your synagogue, James is calling the, the assembly of, of the Christians this, this synagogue. So, <coughs> this, this sermon is, is about elders. We're in 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Uh, the title of the message is uh, The Shepherds of Christ's Flock. And um, I want to read a story. This is about two leaders back in the early 1900s. Ernest Shackleton led a, a daring exposition in 1914 to reach Antarctica. 
A year earlier, a lesser-known Canadian-led expedition headed in the other direction to explore the North Pole. And both ships, the, uh, the Carluck in the north and the Endurance in the south, found themselves trapped by solid ice packs. So each crew was, was faced with a, a fight for survival. Uh, but the outcomes of the two expeditions could not have been more different. In the north, the crew members from the uh, Carluck, led by, uh, this is a, a Scandinavian name, Vilhajalmar Stefsson, and I'm sure I butchered that, uh, degenerated into a band of selfish, mean-spirited, cutthroat individualists, and this ended in the death of all 11 crew members. In the south, though, Shackleton's crew, which was facing the same problems, cold, food shortages, stress, anxiety, his crew responded with teamwork, self-sacrifice, and astonishingly good cheer. And in the end, each leader stayed true to his core leadership values. Steph's son valued success over caring for people, and he consistently communicated his ultimate objective, getting to the North Pole. In his words, this meant even the lives of the crew are secondary, secondary to the uh, accomplishment of the uh, mission. To the very end, he denied that his drive for success led to a tragedy for himself and his crew. But in contrast, sharp contrast, uh, Shackleton's leadership focused on the value and the dignity of his teammates. At one of the lowest points of his trip, Shackleton wrote, the task was now to secure the safety of the party. The well-being of the team drove him to put others first. Shackleton even gave away his mittens and boots and volunteered for the longest night watches. By valuing each person, Shackleton forged a team that was willing to share their rations with each other, even to the brink of starvation. And through the example of his sacrificial leadership, Shackleton was able to accomplish the ultimate objective, which was to save the lives of his crew members. What kind of leaders we have in, in really any context is, is very important, but especially in the church. You know, I, I would say that um, what kind of leaders we have in the church is of utmost importance. Now again, today's text is 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5, where Peter's talking about the, uh, the, the character. He's talking about the, uh, the motives that are important for elders. In fact, they're, they're required for the elders who lead the church. So read with me in 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Lord, I pray this morning as as we uh, open your word that you would just create in us hearts that are that are receptive, Lord, hearts that are, are willing to uh, to receive your instruction. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just transform our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, first, let's look at the uh, the identity of the elders. Who who are the elders? in a church. And Peter, notice, he identifies himself as an elder. Uh, he, he calls himself a fellow elder among the elders in the, uh, the churches that he's writing this letter to. Instead of appealing to his uh, position as, as an apostle, which he had every right to do because he was an apostle, he humbles himself. He comes alongside these, these elders in, in the churches as a fellow elder, as, as an equal. And he's not placing himself above them. He's not demanding any, any special honor, though he could. He's saying, look, guys, I'm, I'm one of you. I share the same concerns for the church. I share the same problems that, that you have. I share the same passions towards the church that, that you do. He, he knows he's not the chief shepherd. Who is that? The chief shepherd is, is Jesus Christ. It's his church. And he acknowledges that he's an under-shepherd, just like the elders in, in the churches are, are under-shepherds. He calls them fellow elders. Well, what does a shepherd do? Shepherd cares for the sheep, for the for the flock. Uh, we we could probably do a whole sermon series on this, but we're not going to. He he protects the flock. He keeps them from danger. He he feeds them. You know, rather than going out and obtaining food for for the sheep, you know, going out in his his pickup truck and bring bags of grain to the sheep. What does he do? He he leads them. He leads them into places where they can find food. And feed themselves, right? I don't know that shepherds always do that now. But he takes them to a place where they can feed themselves. And, you know, as, as an under-shepherd in, the, in God's church, in Christ's church, you know, my, one of my jobs, primary job, is to lead you to the, uh, the green pastures of, of God's word so that you can feed yourself. You know, one sermon on Sunday morning per week is, is not going to be enough. You know, my, my encouragement is that we all feed on God's word during the week. You know, it should be a, a daily practice. Otherwise, we're going to be weak. You know, a shepherd, the shepherd serves the flock. Jesus talked about the good shepherd. He called himself the good shepherd. He says the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. So it's a picture of sacrifice, self-sacrifice, service. You know, Paul, excuse me, Peter. Peter learned from Jesus about servant leadership. He walked with Jesus and hung out with him for three years. Hearing Jesus' instruction, observing him, 
walking with him, seeing how he dealt with people, how he dealt with his own disciples, including Peter. He learned about servant leadership when Jesus washed his feet. When Jesus put that towel around himself and kneeled down and poured water in a basin and washed the dirt off Peter's feet. What a picture that is. And I think as Peter is writing this letter, he's, he's thinking about that. You know, Jesus was, was himself setting an example of what a good shepherd is. And Peter here says, you know, I'm, I'm a fellow elder, not only that, but I'm a witness of this. I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. You know, this is where he is kind of a, a, asserting his, his credentials. He says, I was there. I was there with him. In uh, John's first letter, the Apostle John, he remember, he begins his letter this way. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, <coughs> which we've seen with our own eyes, which we've looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to you, that which we have seen and heard and proclaimed to you. You know, Peter, just like John, is saying, I was there with Jesus from the beginning of his ministry to the end. You know, I hung out with him. I, I heard his teachings. I, I observed the way that he came as, as the Messiah that the uh, prophet Isaiah prophesied about he the the suffering servant i witnessed peter says i witnessed his suffering his humiliation i witnessed his death i was there and after the resurrection jesus told his uh, disciples his gathered disciples in luke 24 46 through 49 thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city till you are clothed with power from on high. You know, Peter would say, I, Peter would say, I was there after he rose from the dead that grave was empty I was there I, I walked with him he spoke to us he he, he cooked us a, a, a breakfast on, on the beach of, of the lake we ate with him and you know what he told me he said Peter I want you to feed my sheep you know, I want you to be a shepherd to to my flock. And Peter finally says here, I'm, I'm, also our, uh, I'm also a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. You know, Peter, remember, he was one of the three that went to the Mount of Transfiguration and, and got a glimpse, a foretaste of, of Christ's glory on that mountain. Peter wanted to stay there forever, build a, a house for, for them. He didn't want to come down from the mountain, but Jesus said, I got work for you to do. Peter was there when, when Jesus ascended into heaven. He was there, and he, 
he preached at Pentecost when the church received the Holy Spirit where they were clothed with power from on high. Peter in our text here, he's, he's looking forward to a time in the future when Christ's glory will be revealed in its fullness. You know, what, what Peter's envisioning is this great, so far unfilled prophecy from Habakkuk 2.14 where it says this, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a glorious time that's going to be. When Christ returns, his glory is going to be revealed. And Peter knows that he's going to be part of that. He knows we're all going to be part of that. So with this, pack, with this background, Peter is saying, you know, I'm, he's saying to the elders, I'm one of you. You have the same responsibilities. We're fellow elders. We're in this together. Let's look at the manner of the elders. What is, what's expected of an elder? What kind of character should, a, should an elder have? The expectations are high. The standards are high. First he says, shepherd the flock of God that's among you. You know, an elder is commanded to be a shepherd. And actually the word's a verb. He says, be, you know, do shepherding. Shepherd the, the flock of God that's among you. You know, this is an imperative. The, uh, notice first what, what he's saying about this flock. It's, it's not Peter's flock. It's not, this, this is not my flock. It's, it's the flock of God. It's, it's the flock of, of Jesus Christ, the, the chief shepherd. You know, the church doesn't, the church doesn't belong to the pastor. The church doesn't belong to the elders. I'm not the head of this church. Jesus Christ is. The ministry given to elders is not a ministry of ownership, but it's a ministry of stewardship. The elders are given charge to watch the flock, to take care of it, to feed it, to protect it. You know, Peter is referring here to the, the flock that's among you. You know, give, give consideration to what this is saying. He's saying that the elders, the, the pastor, don't stand off and the flock's over here and, and we're up here, we're over here. No, he says the flock's among you. I would say that um, this is saying that I'm one of the sheep. I'm an under-shepherd, but I'm part of the flock. I'm not the head of the church. Christ is. Yet, pastors and elders are, are to shepherd the flock. They're responsible for the flock. The, uh, the writer of Hebrews says about the elders, they're, they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. This is an imperative. This is, this is a command that, that Peter is giving to the elders. It, it's not something that happens automatically, you know, just because a, a man has a title or, or a position. It's something that is, it's a willful act. It's a, it's a dedication. It's a, it's a commitment to the flock. Uh, this, you know, the, the imperative verb form used here is also used in Acts 20 where Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders 
before he left them, he says, I did not shrink from declaring you the whole counsel of God. Here's, here's the imperative. Pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Pay close attention, pay careful attention. God has given you as elders, he's saying, a big responsibility. There's going to be wolves that that come in. An obedient elder is a shepherd. An obedient elder is a shepherd. And, um, you know, there, there's a history in the Bible of not-so-good shepherds. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah, God talks about uh, some rulers, which he calls shepherds, shepherds of Israel, who are, who are not being good and, and true shepherds. In Jeremiah 10, 21, God says this, for the shepherds are stupid. They do not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, they have not prospered and all their flock is scattered. That's not good stewardship. Jeremiah 23, 1 through 2, he says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pastor, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel concerning the shepherds, who care for my people. You have scattered the flock and have driven them away. And you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. You get the idea that it's God's will that his flock is together and not scattered. That it's the shepherd's role to to bring unity to the church and not division. That's a big responsibility. And it's on the shepherd. Peter continues, he says, not under compulsion, but willingly. Not under compulsion, but willingly. You know, a a person cannot be coerced into being an elder. Cannot be coerced into leadership. You know, maybe maybe there'd be some, maybe there are some people I would like to coerce, but uh, that's not God's way. That is where God is leading them. Next, Peter says, not for shameful gain. Uh, this, this has to do with uh, material gain. You know, I think we're all familiar with stories of Christian leaders who have the wrong motives. Just turn on the, uh, the television. I, I, I believe a lot of shepherds in the church have succumbed to that to where it becomes about them. Becomes, uh, what what's in it for me? How can I gain for this? But that's not the example Jesus gave us, is it? In contrast, Peter says, but eagerly. You know, he, he contrasts uh, compulsion and, and greed with, with eagerness. You know, it's, it's a matter of heart for... For the flock, it's it's a matter of love for the flock that motivates a good elder. 
An elder should serve eagerly, not grudgingly, not out of obligation. And then he says, not, not domineering over your charge. You know, this word for, for domineering in the original language says, it, it means to be the master, to lord it over, to rule over somebody. This is not the way of a godly elder. Jesus in uh, Matthew 20, verses 20 through 28, kind of speaks to this. I think most of us remember this story about James and John. It says the the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons and kneeling before him, Jesus said. She asked him for something and he he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one on your right hand, one on your left, in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand at my left is not mine to grant, but is for those whom it has been prepared for my, by my father. And when the ten heard it, They were indignant at the two brothers, but Jesus called to them and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. Listen to this. He says, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, Christian leadership is not about dominance and power where the leaders look down on the flock. No, the, they're, they're among the flock. Jesus said of himself again, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Remember that passage in John? It's uh, John 10, 12, 10 through 12. Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is and not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. You need to always keep in mind that Jesus is the good shepherd. See, all, all capital letters, the good shepherd. You know, the, the under shepherds need to be good shepherds. I want to be a good shepherd, but I'm not the good shepherd. That's Jesus. You know, again, Paul warns about the wolves. Jesus says here that the wolves snatch and scatter the sheep. The other person is the hireling that, that Jesus mentions. He's going he's gonna to take off when, when things get hard and go his own way because he doesn't care about the sheep. Peter continues, yeah, not domineering, but being examples to the flock. And just as Jesus became the perfect example for the flock, the perfect example for, for shepherding, you know, the, the elders need to be a good example to the flock as well as they exhibit the, the character of Christ. 
under shepherds, under the the chief shepherd. Now, Peter talks about encouragement for the elders. Encouragement for the elders. He concludes with this, he says, "And and when the chief shepherd comes, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. What, what is this crown of glory? I'll, I'll start by saying I, I really don't know what that looks like. But the, uh, the word crown in the original language uh, refers to uh, like a wreath or, or maybe a crown worn by a dignitary. It also can be used for the wreath that uh, an athlete would wear after winning a, a, an athletic event. You know, it can simply mean an award or, or prize for exceptional service or, or conduct, a reward, you know, some sort of reward. I don't believe it's something that's given unconditionally to any man that has just uh, held the title elder. Um, Peter seems to be saying, you know, it's, it's these people who have this character of a good shepherd who are going to receive this. What will the elders do with this, with this crown? Will they, will they walk the streets of gold with this big crown that sets them apart from everybody else? I don't think so. In Revelation 4, 8 through 11, John's, John describes the following scene. It says, day and night, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy. O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you've created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. These elders give God the glory. Any glory they receive, they humbly give to the Lord. Do you remember a guy named Andre Crouch? Back in the 70s, he wrote this song, and I haven't heard this song for a long time, To God Be the Glory. It's called My Tribute, I think is the the name of it. But he says, to God be the glory for the things he has done. With his blood, he has saved me. With his power, he has raised me. To God be the glory for the things he has done. Oh, just let me live my life. Let Let it be pleasing, Lord, to thee. And if I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. Love that song. We should sing it sometime. I think the Apostle Paul gives us some insight on what this crown may be. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 through 20, he says, What is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. I've told a few of you about uh, running into this, um, 
this young man when I was in seminary. I was just finishing up, getting ready to graduate. And this, this young man comes up to me and he recognizes me. He knows me. And I didn't recognize him. He said, uh, Major Whitey, you were, remember I was, uh, I, you were the Commandant of Cadets. That was, that was my last gig in the Air Force was uh, Air Force ROTC. He says, you know what? Um, whenever I give my testimony, you're in it. Yeah. That's a, that's a humbling thing. It's a, a joyful thing, a crown, crown of glory. You know, I would like to think that the, the people I have brought along to know Jesus better, to know him and, and follow him and become like him would be my crown of glory. You know, I just, I think that's, that'd be the greatest reward I can, I can think of. I, and the highest reward I can imagine is, is Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant. I think the crown of glory is a crown of humility and, and service of the king. Is giving God the, the glory for, for the things he's done. Now, having exhorted the elders to be of a humble character, he, he addresses the, the younger people. He says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Here, Peter is continuing the, the theme of, of being subject to people. Remember, he talked about wives and husbands uh, Masters and, and servants, citizens and, and their leaders, you know, to honor and, and be subject to people. Now he's, he's talking about the, uh, he's talking about submission to the elders. You know, submission requires humility, does it not? We must submit to those in, in leadership. Um, and when we, obey the command to submit, we're submitting to God himself. Now leaders, godly leadership also requires humility. You know, uh, Peter says all of you, he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. You know, this, this picture of clothing ourselves is kind of interesting it's it's a good picture it's a picture of a a willful act you know on a on a cold morning before i go out a lot of times chris will say aren't you going to wear a coat you're you're going to need that you're going to be cold without that coat you know it's that that coat gives me something that i don't have on my own humility is the same way you know the coat gives me something that i need something i don't have we need to put on humility in the same way because we are not naturally humble. We don't have this on our own. We need to, re, we need to realize our dependence on the spirit of God and say, you know, I'm going to need that humility. My heart's going to be cold if I, <laughs> if I don't put that on. <coughs> the sons of Zebedee, James and John, they had their eyes on, on power and rule. They had a lust for honor and power and authority and 
their mom also had this same ambition for them. But rather from leading from power and supremacy, Jesus says to elders, lead from humility and servitude. That's what's going to make a man a great leader, a great elder. Pride and arrogance doesn't have any, any place in, in uh, Christian leadership. It does not make a, a good leader. You know, a proud person may be great in their own eyes, but uh, they're not going to be a good shepherd. Well, as we wrap this up, uh, you know, just as Shackleton's success as a leader in the Antarctic expedition came as a result of his focus on the value and dignity of his his teammates, on his uh, self-sacrifice, an elder's success is going to come because his faithfulness to the care of the flock, which is among him. Each each member of the flock is is valuable. You know, like like Paul said, you know that the flock that God purchased with the blood of his own. Each member contributes to the whole, contributes to the body. It's God's will that we each work for the building up, the growing of the church. Each member is a minister. Each elder is charged with the, uh, the nurture and, and the care of, of this body. Each elder is charged with being an under-shepherd, under the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Each of us is called to self-sacrificing service, done eagerly, not domineering, but in humility, being an example to the flock. And uh, sometimes it's painful, but the reward is awesome. It's great. Let's pray. Um, Lord Jesus, you are the uh, the chief shepherd. Let us uh, always be mindful of that and, and never forget. You are the head of the church. You're ahead of this local body. Uh, let all we do, Lord, be done for your glory. And as, as your flock, I pray, Lord, that, that we follow you, that, uh, that we would be transformed that we we would be conformed to your image, not the image of the world. Lord, bring us together as a flock. I, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would remove the the division. Lord, that you would remove the, the sources of, of the division from our, our hearts, Lord. Bring us unity, Lord. Let us all that, let us do all we do and uh, let us do it in love. Let us be motivated by service, serving each other, Lord, to, to build up this body. And Lord, we, we humbly ask these things in your name. Amen. Looks like we've got a special treat here.
Okay. 
Very nice. From uh, Ephesians 6, the very last two verses, peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Amen.